On January 28, 1986, the nation faced a tragedy. 73 seconds after taking off, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded, killing the entire crew. This was broadcast on live television. For those of us who were children at the time, the memory of watching the booster rocket spin away off from the giant cloud that was the Challenger is burned into our memories. Or is it? I remember a teacher bringing up the Challenger disaster several years later. Many of my classmates swore that they watched it on a TV that had been brought into the classroom just to watch the launch. I thought I must be crazy. I vividly remember watching it on the tiny TV my grandmother used to watch Wheel of Fortune in her kitchen. But both of these things couldn't possibly be true. I wouldn't have missed school unless I was sick. And if I was sick, I wouldn't have been at my grandmother's house. But if I was in school, why couldn't I remember watching the shuttle explosion with my friends? After letting us go on about it for several minutes, the teacher told us our school system had a scheduled in-service day that day. So it wasn't possible that any of us had seen it in the classroom. It turned out that teacher was demonstrating how our minds create false memories, now known as the Mandela effect, a phenomenon that wouldn't get its name and enter the popular vernacular for another decade. Let's think significantly. Hello to all of you listening to us right now. I'm Pete, and I'm here with my eidetic co-host, Melissa. Hello, everyone. As I busily Google eidetic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to spend the next 20 minutes telling you everything you remember about your childhood is a lie. So I want to say buckle up, but actually what I'm supposed to say is we apologize for that in advance. Yes. <laughs> right. But, but any therapist that benefit from the cognitive dissonance that, this, that ensues, you're welcome. Yeah, collect your co-pays, you <laughs> dirty bastards. No, let's hope it's not that bad. No, it's not <laughs> going to be that bad. Pete, that was a very interesting example you shared to kick us off. I 100% watched the Challenger tragedy unfold on a TV that was rolled into an AV cart into my classroom. And I feel very resolute in saying that because I distinctly remember my teacher's reaction to what we had just witnessed. Uh, it was, it was like one of those, like, oh my, it was a little pearl clutching, a little <laughs> quick unplug and a yeah. little rolling out of the AV cart right back out where it'd come from. I'm sure she was and, like, well, what, how am I going to, yeah, she's this? like, uh, don't right. What? <laughs> yeah. This wasn't planned. Right. How do I explain this? Uh, and also my grandmother did not have a small TV in her kitchen that she watched Wheel of Fortune on. So I can assure you that never happened. Yeah. That's a shame. That's a shame. It's good to know though. So you Google eidetic though. Did, did you? It's good to know about my grandmother's Wheel of Fortune watching. Yes, now you know everything about me. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I Googled eidetic. Yes, I did. And um, so, so did I describe you? Uh, okay, look. I, I believe that you describe my brain to some degree, yes. Because I do have the ability to remember things with high precision after seeing them for a short period of time. Um, but I will tell you this. Uh -huh. yes i can be a superb witness you got to get to me quickly though don't bring me back 10 years later to help you unlock a cold case and expect to remember <laughs> things with a high degree of accuracy because i don't i don't have that gift that's not me okay noted 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 <clears throat> takes melissa off the people i can call to solve cold cases list oh, there got it okay you have a list for everything don't you Pete? I, I have lists on top of lists i promise 
So let's talk about why you might not be able to recall scenarios accurately years later. All right. Well, I'm hoping that you want to have a discussion about the Mandela effect and now why I should increase my ginkgo biloba consumption. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. We'll save um, better living through pharmaceuticals for another episode. Right now, yes, I'd like to talk about the Mandela effect. Perfect. I'm set up for that. All right. Good. So let us set the proverbial table with an explanation of what this is. Mind you, I'm not going to try to explain some visual to you like Pete does. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mine's a little easier. I get a little easier task ahead of me. So there's a woman named Fiona Broom. She's a paranormal researcher. She realized that both she and a number of her acquaintances had very clear memories of human rights activists and former South African president Nelson Mandela dying in a prison. And they re- all remembered a televised funeral. However, in reality, Mandela passed away as a free man, no less, in 2013 from a respiratory tract infection. And so this raised the question how can so many unrelated people have the same memory of something that never happened? Yeah, and I want to start just before we go any further and and tip my hat to Fiona Broom and say kudos to her for naming it the Mandela Effect because you know that there are people out there who would name this after themselves. Oh, absolutely. And and we'd now be talking about like the Broom Effect. (laughs) Right, or uh, the Fiona Phenomenon which is even better. I love a little alliteration. Yes. Even though I can't pronounce it. A little alliteration. Yes. Alliteration. Yes. There. Yeah, that one. All right. Okay. So here are some <laughs> innocuous examples. So uh, I'm going to, you think, think to yourself as I, as I rattle these off audience <laughs> people ready, here we go. Did curious George have a tail? Mm. Does the monopoly guy have a monocle? Say what? Does Queen and We Are the Champions singing of the world? Was the Lindbergh baby abduction a cold case to which I was not invited to solve? By the way, it was not. Luckily, luckily. Right? You would not have been any help, clearly. I wouldn't have been, but it didn't end well. So we're going to (laughs) keep going. Uh, Next one. Return of the Jedi. Darth Vader saying, Luke, I am your father. Get this. That's not what he said. He didn't say that. Okay, hold on. I want to I want to correct something just real quick. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's Empire. Uh, I know you're not a nerd. That's Empire Strikes Back. But oh, but I I is I there a like, difference? I, I, <laughs> sorry, oh, I have no idea. God, I haven't seen either of so them. So many people right now. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost our five <laughs> listeners. He doesn't know Empire from Jedi. Oh, I'm- oh, keep going, keep going. Well, I know this part because I looked it up. He doesn't say, Luke, I'm your father. In you Empire, yes. No, he does. But I remember James Earl Jones. I can hear them in my head saying, Luke, I am your father. No, Vader says, no, I am your father. This is true. You oh. No, you should listen to this podcast, Pete, because it's not correct. I'm going to go, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to go back and listen to us. I love how people are like, you don't even know what movie it was from, and yet you're going to stand <laughs> on your soapbox and like put all your chips on this one number. That Look, I did my research for the podcast. I don't know what freaking movie it came from, but I know the line. Oh, right? Lord. I'm oh, standing on it. it. The line is, no, I am your father. Go back and watch it. I okay. love it. Okay. All right. 
Okay. Now listen, for those of you who are interested, there are lots and lots of quizzes to be found online to test your knowledge on things that are most commonly associated with the Mandela effect. Right. There, there is certainly no shortage of those. I, I, I was actually dismayed at how many I misremembered. But let's talk about how this even happens. All right. Well, in my case, I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> but if you're talking about at large, yes. Start us off with that. Why does this freaking happen, Pete? Why? Okay. Okay. So for starters, I want to highlight that we're not talking about one person misremembering things. In this instance, we have to have a significant number of people that not only misremember an event, but that misremember it in basically the same way. That's what gets it classified as the Mandela effect. Now, if this has happened to you, don't be alarmed because this is simply a product of how our brain works to retrieve information. False memory arises through the reconstruction process. Yeah, as, as uh, Dr. Gene Brewer, an associate professor in cognitive psychology at Arizona State University explains it, when you recall an event, you use memories around it, mm -hmm. uh, taking elements or pieces of other events and fitting them in where they make the most sense. Like a Mr. Potato Head approach. Uh, sh sure. I, I, I mean, I guess that's one way to describe it. Are you like, what is it with you and potatoes, man? <laughs> Seriously, but, let's, not, let's not get back into the food thing again. Right, exactly. That was last week. That's okay. right. So it, I, what I want to know right now is, by the power of suggestion, is your mind going through the motions of opening up your Mr. Potato Head butt? <laughs> to reconstruct where you were when you saw the challenger? Uh, I wasn't until you brought up that very strong visual. But, but, but let's remember that I was the one who had accurately recalled where I was. That's right. That's right. You were watching the Wheel of Fortune TV. Yes, you were marked <laughs> safe from the Mandela effect that day. Yes, That's right. Like you, my grandmother's reaction to what we'd watched served as a sort of anchor for that memory. Mm -hmm. Had it not been for that, I might have also convinced myself that we were in school that day. You know, so aside from this is just like how our brains work, there is another explanation of why this occurs. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I, I can't wait to hear this. It has nothing to do with Mr. Potato Head, but no, it doesn't. Thank uh, this explanation comes from Fiona Broom herself. Oh, okay. She explained, yes. Yeah, so when she came up with the Mandela effect, she said that the Mandela effect is what occurs when you have movement between parallel realities. So this would account for why there are differences, right? Because within each universe, alternative versions of events and objects exist. And, uh, <laughs> and is this something that you believe? No, man. It, it, exactly how much ginkgo biloba are you taking these days, Melissa? No, no, no. I'm not saying that I believe it. I'm explaining a hypothesis on how this comes to be. Mm, okay. Now, allow me to redeem myself from my Star Wars uh, problem a minute ago. Okay. I'm okay. going to geek out on something that I know equally as little about. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Wait. I know. I probably know less. And that is about Star Trek. Oh, goodness. But it's applicable here because it has, I, again, I do my research. Broom uh, drew the comparison between existence and the holodeck of the USS Enterprise from Star Trek. I'm getting all nice. that right, right? Yes. Very good. Yes. Okay, good. So that was a virtual reality system that created recreational experiences. Mm -hmm. And based on her explanation, memory errors are software glitches, basically. Okay, so, so kind of like in the Matrix where they, 
they call out um, deja vu as being indicative of a glitch. Okay, like I saw that once and I wasn't watching it really. So yeah, <laughs> all I remember is this. You know how they go backwards? That's all I know. Okay, but yes, I will go with yes, Pete. Answer is yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I just want to say for the record that I'm delighted at your journey into the final frontier. <laughs> but I feel like you're a little bit unmoored talking about these things. So how about we get your feet back on the ground and let's just talk about how our brains work instead of delving too much deeper in the sci-fi and risk pissing off all the fandoms. All right. All the significant others. They're like, forget yeah. this crap. This chick didn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So let's, let's do a deeper dive into the, the whys and ways that the accuracy of our memories are affected. Namely, I want to talk about distortion, disinformation, and propaganda. By the way, I feel like you, there were some things that you like inserted into that bit that probably had some reference to a movie I haven't seen yet, but I don't know enough. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, proceed, <laughs> proceed, proceed, sir. Tell me. Talk to me about some distortion. It's Go. an Easter egg in the episode for you, which is yes, which is it's so wow. it's so meta. I can hardly stand it. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's start with distortion. Distortion is when we reconstruct previous events incorrectly based on any number of inputs, like uh, our experience or our perspective of an event. One of the mental processes that can contribute to distortion is confabulation. Okay, so I have only heard that in a negative way. You know, it's like a polite way to tell someone that they're like full of it. <laughs> okay, yeah. No, well, it's an actual thing, but but it can be both. It, it's versatile. It can be both. When, when it's not being used to slyly tell people that you're onto them, confabulation occurs when the brain fills in gaps to make more sense of memories, mm. which is why when, when the shuttle launch occurred on a Tuesday... So many of my classmates just assume they were in school because it happened. If it happened midday on a Tuesday, where else would they be? Mm -hmm. Right. Without any memory anchor, it made sense that they would have seen it in school. Oh, yes. And as you say that it made sense, I realized that we're also mostly dealing with some schema driven memory errors there. Mm -hmm. So there is a book. Um, it's old, yo. Uh, <laughs> it's called Remembering. And it's by Frederick Bartlett. Mm. Uh, it's like early 30s. It's old. Like it's going to be yellow right. if you okay. have it on your bookshelf. Yeah. So in this book, Bartlett explains how our brain remembers things in bundles or packets, as he referred to them. Right. It stuck with me because uh, for some reason I thought of like saccharin packets, like sugar packets. Like that's <laughs> how our brain has like bundled like little bits of goodness together. And he demonstrated that people would disregard pieces of information that didn't make sense with the rest of the packet and end up distorting their memory. So, so in a memory where we're watching TV of a major event at home during a school day, the part that didn't fit in the packet was being home. So it discarded and replaced that setting and made more sense of the memory by placing them at school. Right. It all makes sense, doesn't it? Like our mind is acting as a detective taking context clues from various sources and trying to recreate the crime scene as it were sure right because because it's drawing on clues from other sources though the memory isn't ever going to be 100 percent accurate right so it so it's 
I mean, by by just the very nature of the way it's assembled, it's going to be distorted. It has a good chance of being distorted. That's for sure. Yeah. So what about the other two you mentioned? How do they play into this? What, what about disinformation and, and propaganda, which has piqued my interest? Mm, so so disinformation and propaganda can can significantly impact the formation of our memories. Um, we recently talked about uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect and how mm -hmm. people had a tendency to respond to made up issues as if they were real, right? Yeah, that was episode eight. By the way, I'm noticing you say significantly like a lot. You say <laughs> significantly, significantly, and it's not like a gentle plug for that for the podcast. I don't think it's no, no, I, I don't. Thought I'd point that it's, out. It's not subliminal advertising. When I when I I'm going to be very overt when I'm plugging the pot. God, I don't even think you're saying you know you're saying it, but I'm I'm there anyway. Who knows? Who knows? All right. So if you haven't listened to episode eight, you should go and listen to that one. Uh, after you finish up here, of course, and, right. and then you'll be all caught up and you'll be like, oh, Dunning-Kruger. And you'll be, you'll see it like everywhere. Yes. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right. They'll be like, I just heard about this. It's yeah. So what? What? Vader Meinhof. And that joke, that joke will make way more sense when you listen to the rest of the episodes. Right. They're like, Melissa, you should go watch some Star Wars and you should <laughs> shut it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk yeah. to me about episode eight. I got your right. episode eight right here. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. But back to the topic at hand. Uh, there was a study done by Jillian Murphy. Uh, she's a lecturer at the School of Applied Psychology at the University College County Cork. I feel like that's in a different country. I feel like it probably is. I would I would guess Ireland. I'm guessing University yeah. College County Cork. Yes, yeah. go ahead. It's not Sligo or anything, but you know there it is. Not Sligo. Uh, she and her team found that people were likely to say they had memories of things that didn't happen. So she's basically like corroborating what Broom said, right? Yeah, sort of. Um, what made the, the research maybe disheartening more than surprising is that she found that people were much more likely to say they had memories when the made-up information aligned with their political views. Oh, okay. So in a world where people increasingly look to social media for their news, a story full of disinformation and propaganda can not only sway someone's present opinion, but it could also cause them to create memories around these events. And, and those fabricated memories will, will further cement their beliefs that the event occurred, mm. right? That's, that's why it's so incredibly hard to convince somebody that fake news is actually fake once they believe it. Mm -hmm. their, their mind is actively constructing memories to prop up what they already believe. So I want to take a beat here to point out that we're talking about disinformation and propaganda, which implies, in my opinion, an uh. intent to deceive. But these false memories are just as likely to form from misinformation, which could be an innocent mistake. Yeah, it's like a, uh, oh, let's see, <clears throat> it's like a pyramid scheme of bad information, right? That the source of the fake news, the, the, the originator of this, uh, uh, of this incorrect piece of information, they may have an intent to deceive. And that would be then disinformation. Mm -hmm. But then anyone who repeats it thinking it's real is spreading misinformation. They, they don't have that intent to deceive. But the net net's the same. I mean, uh, on social media, misinformation is easier to find than the tale in the original Curious George. I mean... <laughs> Yes, he had a tale. Uh, it's not only new stories that can have this effect, but 
But you think about like jokes and pranks in cyberspace, man, they like they, they take on their own life and they can move fast. And I always think to myself, why doesn't actual news travel at this speed? Like, why can't like legit stuff float this quickly amongst the populace? Yeah, jokes, pranks, um, even satire and comedy can cause people to form false memories. Like when people believe that 2008 Republican vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my house. Yes, yes, yes. That's a great example. Because she never said that. You know, that line originated with an SNL spoof. Tina Fey was playing Sarah Palin and Tina Fey as Sarah Palin said that. So right. what uh, what Palin actually said was she was in a what a major interview, right, with Charles mm-hmm. Gibson. Uh-huh. And he was she had just been tapped as the vice presidential nominee. And Charles Gibson asked her what insight she had gained from living so close to Russia. And she responded, well, there are next door neighbors and you can actually see Russia from land here in Alaska, from an island in Alaska. Right. So there was there was some similarity between what she actually said and what the satire was. Yeah. And then and then people's political bias did the rest and, and attributed the satirical quote to her. Right. Which demonstrates how politicians and other public figures are like especially vulnerable to the effects of false memory generation, especially since, by the way, all, all people do this. All people like are prone to this in your head. It, 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 it surpasses like education level, your political stance, socioeconomic bracket. Like those aren't protecting you from doing this. We we all are guilty of doing this thing in our brains. Right, right there. But there's some there's some good news around this topic. Um, we've discussed how everyone is capable of generating false memories, but but research finds that people who are more intelligent are less likely to fall for false information that aligns with their political bias. So yeah, we all do it, but more intelligent people are less likely to do it. Well, to be quite frank, intelligent is kind of a loaded word because. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, as we just discussed on our episode on Dunning-Kruger, I tried episode eight. people can sometimes overestimate their abilities. So instead of saying intelligent, maybe we interpret that as the more we seek out knowledge, the less likely we are to fall for false information and in turn generate these false memories. Right. When, when I think of someone as intelligent, I too, and thinking about someone who's a, a lifetime learner, someone who is continually seeking knowledge. Right. I know, I don't confuse that with education level ever because I think they're very different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to access that study because I'm curious as to how those researchers defined intelligence because there's, sure. there's definitely certainly ways to catalog it. Yeah. And I've, um, I've met some very educated people that are very dumb. And I've met some really intelligent people who have never gone past high school. And so there you go. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're very different streams. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to have in my kit bag here uh, an upside to this as well. This is not all gloom and doom. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So there are current theories in psychology that think that our ability to selectively remember details from past experiences may be part of a survival mechanism, which I understand at first blush does not sound like an upside. (laughs) (laughs) And now for some good news. Right. Survival mechanism. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Um, The researchers... uh, they propose that we can take these pieces, mm-hmm. right? These pieces from our past experience and then construct future events out of them, 
which then help us anticipate things that we may face in the future. It's like sort of like a preparation thing. Um, and you might be like, what good is that? Like, like, is that like completely related to trauma? No, because I will tell you what this actually can do for us is it can help out our creativity. Yeah, it's, it's really incredible what our brain can do to keep us on track and use our past experiences to help predict and prepare us for future experiences. Uh, on, with the caveat that that doesn't really help us if there are alternate realities. I, I don't know how you prepare for that. All right. Well, short of getting back in the world of science fiction, which I really don't want to do because like it is uncharted territory for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that we can wrap up this exploration of the Mandela effect. Yeah, I think so, too. I, of course, I also thought Shazam was a movie starring Sinbad before we did our research on this. So I'm questioning everything now. What's not in question is because I don't I'm like Shazam. What's that? <laughs> Sorry, I only know it from like music, right? Shazam. So anyways. Uh, what's not in question is that we'd like to keep this conversation going with all of you on things that I might know something about. Uh, let us know what you've had Mandela affected. Like we want to know. I'll, I'll tell you what mine will always be. What's that? The Berenstain Bears. Mm. I am devastated that their name is spelled with an A instead of an E. Pete. <laughs> I don't mean to hang at your dirty laundry, but I think it's just because you can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my But okay, goodness. if that's what's gonna keep you awake at night. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. At two brute. At least you'll get that one right when you go to spelling bee. You'll be like, <laughs> no, I won't, I'll, still, bears. I'll still remember See? it with the E. There my you goodness. go. Yes. All right. Well, if you liked our conversation today, and what wasn't to like, honestly. Please subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on social media at ThinkSigPod on Twitter and Instagram or by searching for Think Significantly on Facebook. Please like and follow these accounts. And if you like us, tell a friend about us. And if today was not our day, listen to episode eight. <laughs> Actually, listen to YOLO. That was a really good one. I like yeah, that one. That was, that was yeah, good. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Pete and I will be back next week to discuss another thought-provoking topic not involving um, cinema. And until then, <laughs> we encourage you to think significantly about the world around you. Na, 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 na.